0: Take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. All right. Tonight we talk about dining with demons. We talked this last Sunday about dinner with Dad, about uh, ministering to the Father and hearing his voice. Well, I was just gonna do this whole thing tonight about sort of be careful. Don't dine with demons, but the Spirit of God just opened it up to me and been pressing it. So uh, we're gonna to talk tonight about what can demons do to Christians. <clears throat> then we're going to talk about what should Christians do to demons? All right. I hope that don't freak you out. Don't get nervous about your demons. <clears throat> we live in a spirit world. We live in a spirit world. And this book could not be clearer that the visible world is influenced strongly and oftentimes driven by the invisible world. We're not going to take time to go through that. We live in a spirit world. It's right here. It's all around us. And there are only two spirits on this planet. The Holy Spirit and the unholy spirit the spirit of Jesus Christ and the spirit of darkness. And I want you to look tonight at what the scripture has to say. I hope I don't mess your theology up, but I'm more interested in setting you free than I am in lining up with what somebody told you. righty, can Christians dine with demons? Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 10, 20, the Bible says this. 1 Corinthians 10, 20, rather the things which the Gentiles sacrificed, they sacrificed to demons and not to God. I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Tell me what the Bible says. I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Say, Brother Brown, see some crazy people out in some other part of the world. All right. Who's first Corinthians written to? Does anybody know? Not just to the church. It's written to the church saints in all knowledge filled with every spiritual gift looking for the second coming of our Lord Jesus. It's not just written to Christians. It's written to on fire Christians full of Jesus. And what did he say to these spirit filled Christians? I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Now the Bible is not just a book written to them. It's not worth getting dressed up for if it's just to them. The Bible is a book speaking to me and you. Let me make an announcement. Your father does not want you fellowshipping with demons. So we, and and, by the way, it's not that much fun anyway. All right. Two things you can't do. Read the next verse. Verse 21, you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Tell me two things you can't do. You cannot fellowship with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and demons at the same time. So you got to pick who you're going to fellowship with. Let me make a suggestion. Choose Jesus. But can you see clearly from this passage that believers can fellowship with demons and that we can't do both? All Uh, do you really believe that we can be called it? Now, fellowship doesn't mean just know they exist. Fellowship means to interact with. Fellowship means, our word fellowship, we sit down at a table, we eat with somebody. That's where you get table, cup. We sit down at a table, we talk to them, we communicate, they communicate dust. us. Do you believe Christians do that with demons? Sure do, more than you could imagine. All right, let's see what the Bible says about this. Now, uh, in case you think, well, that's for them goofballs, that's not for somebody as spiritual as me. Turn with me to Luke chapter nine. We got got to do some scripture study tonight. Luke chapter nine. Do you think a believer can get caught up listening to a demon and fellowship with them? Luke chapter nine. This really should stretch out into about a three or four part study, but uh, I don't want to obsess with it. I just want to help you. Luke chapter nine, verse 51. Luke 9, 51. It came to pass. When the time became Luke 9:51 for Jesus to be received up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers before his face. As they went, they entered a the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for Jerusalem. So Jesus sends his front man, says, we're going to have a crusade, get everything ready. And these people said, we don't want Jesus in our city. Got it? All right. Verse 54. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord... Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them like Elijah? Did the disciples get mad? Yeah. What was their answer? Burn you up because you don't love my Jesus. Sort of reminds you what's going on in politics today on the religious right. Burn you up, you don't love my Jesus. Amen. You ugly to Jesus, I'm ugly to you. What do you think? Somebody stand up saying, putting up with this mess no more. Hang on. Verse 55, Jesus turned and said to them, dang right, kill him." Let's learn something here. Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. I didn't come to hurt people. I came to help people. Can you see where the disciples of Jesus got caught up in a destructive spirit, ministering to them, fellowshipping with a destructive spirit and did listen. What did he say? You do not know. You're totally unaware that a demon spirit's gotten into you, not into you, excuse me, influencing you right now. And you're acting under the influence. You're fellowshipping with a demon right now. And you think you're helping me. That's a scary passage right there. If James and John, who were one of the two of the three that walked closest to Jesus, can interact with a demonic presence and cause them to ill Jesus off like that, don't you think it can't happen to us? Listen to me. Let me point something out here. Satan's only power is in the words, do not know. The only power he has is if you don't know it. He has to operate incognito. If you know it's him, you're going to run like a scalded rat. Amen. His, listen, darkness, his only power is to stay hidden, operate from the shadows, not for us not to know what's going on. We won't take the time to look at it. If that's not enough for you, Matthew chapter 16, just let me mention it. See, Jesus is sitting with his boys at the campfire and the Bible said in Matthew 16, Jesus said to them, I am about to go to Jerusalem and I'll be offered up. And I'll be killed by the chief priest and the Pharisees. And Simon said, far be it from me, Lord, to let this happen to you. Amen. I'm not going to let him hurt my Jesus. And Jesus turned around and said to Simon, get behind me, Satan. Your mind is being controlled by something beside God right now. That's the chief apostle that fellowship with a demon to fight against, against my salvation and your salvation. Acts chapter 5. Uh, I don't want to look at. It. Let me just quote these. I'm just giving you scriptures that show where believers were influenced by demons. Acts chapter five. Uh, great, it was great revival, spirit filled, God's blessed tremendously. And uh, a man named Ananias and Sapphira sold a piece of land, and they kept back part of the money. Everybody was just selling their land, helping poor people. God's spirit was moving so freely, so they sold a piece of land. I'm going to say for a thousand dollars. They said, we, we sold this land. We got $500 for it. They were going to keep some back in case this Jesus thing didn't work out. And they laid $500. said, here's $500. We sold the land. And uh, Simon looked at him and said, when it was yours, was it not yours to do what you want to with? Why did you let Satan put it in your mind and heart to do this? Those are spirit-filled believers that Satan got in their minds and got in their hearts to do something. I could walk you all through the Bible and show you where the demonic has effect on believers. Now, let me say this again. Let me say it again. They have to operate in darkness. If they're seen, it's over. They have to operate without me and you knowing it. That's why Jesus said, you don't know who's behind this. So remember that they have to operate in darkness in our lives. All righty. Dear ones, (laughs) we have got to start believing the Bible. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. We've got to start believing all of it. Not just the parts we like. And we've got to start believing Ephesians chapter 6 that says this, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers of darkness, spiritual beings in the atmosphere. Therefore, you better put on the armor of God. Demons, if you weren't in a battle with darkness, why did he tell you to put on the armor of God? We just got to come to the realization that the Bible is true and that we need to start believing this in our daily lives now. All right, let's let's start dealing with this now. Brother Brown, how can can I know who's messing with me? How can I I know if this stuff's going on around me? Easy to find out. You know what Spirit's ministering to you by the effect it has on you. By the effect it has on you. So where am I going to find that out? Well, let me give you a hint. (laughs) Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is light. The entrance to thy word gives light. Uh, let, let me, a demon's sort of like a roach. What does, light, what does light do to roaches? All right, the Word of God reveals this to us. Let me show you an instance. Let me show you how this works. Turn with me to James chapter three. James chapter three, the effect it had on you. If this makes you mad, I didn't write it. And if this, if this messes with your politics, be messed with. I am stunned at how believers are being influenced by demons today that don't have a clue. It's just crazy. We're living in the days the Bible prophesied. And I want to shut, now remember, let me, make, let me make an announcement. Bible right, everything else wrong. All right, well, we're, we agree on that, okay. We've got to get back to the Word of God in our churches and our lives and our minds. We've got to get back to the Word of God. All righty, um, look with me in James chapter 3, verse, let's put in verse 13. And let's go through this slowly and see if we can see about the effects. James three thirteen, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Uh, if you're a wise man, you hear God. Now watch what happens, verse 14. If, see the word if? If you have bitter envy, and your Bible might say self-seeking, but the best word is strife. If you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, just stop right there. What do you say? If you're upset, and you're bitter, and you're angry. Strife means to be all upset, striving, contentious. You're you're, you're just bothered. You're angry. If that's in you, if you have that in you, watch what the Bible says. Verse 14. Do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, this being upset, self-centered, striving, argumentative anger, this wisdom does not come from God. It is earthly, it is sensual. It is what? It's demonic. It's demonic. Now, the Bible says that, that if in my heart and in my mind, I am upset and angry and want to fight and I'm striving and I'm bitter. I was talking with a family recently and uh, she said, well, mama's ju- mama just don't go to church no more. So I said, why not? She said, well, mama got hurt. Mama got hurt. And I said, you'll have to explain that to me further. She said, you don't know what hurt means? I said, no. I can't find hurt anywhere in the Bible. I find bitterness. I find unforgiveness. I find anger, but I can't find the hurt nowhere, in the Bible. I said, tell me what hurt is. She said, well, now no, mama, I said, don't lie against the truth. God's word right, mama wrong. That went over good. <laughs> Demons, listen to me. The word of God is a light. And this is, this, thy word is a lamp. James chapter one said, it's the mirror that I look in to see what's really going on. Listen, if you're angry and you're striving and you're upset and you're bitter and you're hurt, call it whatever you want to, don't lie. This didn't come from God. This is earthly, sensual, it's demonic. So the word of God reveals to me here that the demonic gets inside of believers and makes them angry, causes them to want to argue, causes them to be upset about stuff, upsets them. Are you with me? I'm not making this up, you're seeing this. All right, watch this. The Bible is pretty clear here that if that thing is, if the contention is there, I want you to look at verse 15 with me. This what? Wisdom. Wisdom. Why does the Bible call this anger, striving, bitterness? Why does it call it wisdom? Because the demonic will justify it with his wisdom. Are you with me? All right, you know, some somebody does you wrong, and you're just you just you're just so angry at him. And you, I'm not talking to let the sun go down on your anger. I mean, you stay that way for days, and you don't want to be around them people. And you're not going, to, and you and you say, well, you don't know what they did to me. You are justifying with wisdom. There is a demonic wisdom and justification that goes along with demonic activity. Are you with me? Do you remember in Luke chapter nine, James and John wanted to call fire down on Jesus, and they thought they were justified because they rejected my savior. They were justified, but it was a demonic wisdom that justified it. We got people today wanting to burn the nation down because, because, because but that's a demonic wisdom. It's not from heaven. And the anger that comes out of that wisdom is demonic. Now we, in our churches, you know, if somebody runs off of somebody else's wife, that's wrong, 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 wrong. Smoke a cigar. Oh, you're going to hell. You know, drinking beer. Certain things we know are wrong but our greatest sins we justify. Bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, division between people over issues. There's where the demonic works right there. Demons aren't in your cigars. Bad breath's in your cigars. Demons are in the bitterness. Are you seeing that? Demons are in the bitterness and the anger and the division. All right, watch this. Uh, And and if that goes on, verse 16, where envy, uh, bitterness, self-seeking, strife, whatever you want to call it, exist confusion watch these words every evil thing will be there how does evil find its way into our lives to lead us into strife and anger and bitterness and that's the avenue it comes in through i'll never forget years ago i heard a preacher say that i'm just a young man trying to learn what i'm doing and he said i've never known a faith was an older preacher i've never known a famine all my years they get upset They go home. They have fried preacher for lunch. Y'all know what that means, don't you? And then they get critical and angry and they're upset, but they justify it. They justify it. And he said, I've watched them through the years. They never make it. Their kids get in trouble. They get divorced. You know where all that starts at? The enemy works into our lives with anger and bitterness. And it's going to be my, I want my say. I'm going to have my say. Who's working right there? Don't, Don't justify it. And I want you to look who's in tandem right there. Two, th- three are in tandem. But look who's in tandem. This wisdom doesn't come from heaven. It's worldly, sensual, demonic. Now sensual is the word sarks. And we, it's a, we get our word, it's flesh. The Bible calls it flesh, carnal nature. The demonic will side in with my flesh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you see where there are a team in there along with the world? The demonic will tandem with my flesh to create trouble. She don't appreciate me. She don't appreciate how hard I work. Got this little thing on your shoulder saying, dang right. Dang right. Uh-huh. Dang right. I know of which I talk tonight. On the other hand, I work like a dog around here and he don't realize how hard I just do. He just, he don't appreciate me. Got that other thing on your shoulder saying, dang right. Dang right. The flesh and the demonic work in tandem. To tear people up. What's their ultimate goal? Division. It's always division. Let's shift gears. Watch this. Verse 17. The wisdom that is from above. What does that mean? When you're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. When God's speaking to you. When you're hearing the voice of God. It will have an effect on you. Here's the effect of fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. The wisdom that's from above is pure. It's what? What always comes when you're hearing God? Peace. Not anger. Not bitterness. Not judgmentalism, not criticism. Peace. When God speaks, there's peace. It's peaceful. What's this? <clears throat> Gentle. A lot of gentleness in our nation right now, isn't there? Watch these words: willing to yield. Demons. If God's in it, you'll be willing to yield. You said, "Well, well, d- d- well, that's not heaven, right there. That's that other one. Willing to yield, knowing blessed are the meek. God will give them the earth." If he don't give it to me, I'm not going to fight for it. If he wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. A willing, when I meet people, that, they just dare you to cross them. That ain't heaven. That's the other guy. The wisdom from's from is willing to yield. I love this effect right here. Full of mercy, you don't owe me a thing. God bless you. I don't even remember it. You can't be merciful and bitter. You can't hold on to grudges from the past and be merciful. Demons, if God's speaking to you that you're just so quick to forgive and forget and love them. Amen. So well, I forgive them, bless God, but I'll never forget what they did to me. That's demonic. Sorry. I'm just gunning you down tonight, ain't I? There was, let me tell you what's happening here. We are so upset with their sins and he's eating our lunch on our stuff. Remember the Pharisees that came to Jesus with the woman caught in adultery in John chapter eight. And they wouldn't talk about her sins. And Jesus said, I got a better idea. Let's talk about your sins. Amen. Boy, they cleared out when he wanted to talk about their sins, didn't they? <laughs> they want to listen, the wisdom that's from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy. Full of, God bless you. You don't know me a dime. Nobody owes me anything. There's a sweetness about you, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality. It never prefers white to black black to white oh that was the easy one it never prefers baptist to pentecostal it never prefers southerners to yankees oh it's gonna get worse before i get done it never prefers republicans to democrats oh i heard the groan i heard the groan i heard the groan but 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 there you go there you go don't lie against the truth in my church without partiality and look at this what else is what's it without hypocrisy you are who you are you don't have to impress anybody you don't have to put on i listen you know the the spirit that's ministering to you by the effect it has on you if it makes you angry bitter upset you i'm gonna have my way i'm gonna tell them a thing that ain't heaven if it brings peace to you if you handle things gently if you relax and you're willing to yield if you're very merciful If you just love everybody just like they are and accept everybody like they are and you don't have to impress anybody, that's the Holy Spirit. We learn the Spirit's ministering to us by the effect that they have on us. All right? Now let me show you something. Watch this. Verse 18. The fruit, dear ones, we're looking for fruit. We're looking for good stuff. The fruit of righteousness is sown in what? Anger. Peace by those who make peace. Listen to this. Peace is the only spirit atmosphere God's going to work in. God doesn't work in strife. Uh, you want me to shoot the whole political thing down right now? One verse. Book of James, one verse. The wrath of man never works the righteousness of God. What you going to do with that? I just shot your whole political deal. Listen, I don't care if you're on the right or the left. If you're angry, that's a political spirit. But, but, I don't want to hear you butts. The word of God has just found you out. Right, listen, listen to me. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in what? Peace. By those who make peace. Dear ones, till you get to peace, you ain't ready to do nothing yet. So, well, I'm upset. I need to talk to you. No, you don't. Cause I don't want it. <laughs> but, but I don't want it. You don't need to be barfing on me. I just took a bath. <laughs> Dear ones, when you're upset, what's the first thing you ought to do? Zip your lip. Are we having fun tonight or what? they <laughs> say, so when can i speak when there's peace on the inside the seed whose fruit is righteousness is only nothing good ever comes out of strife it only comes out of peace uh, i'm gonna say it again there's a blindness that these things they justify this stuff with wisdom now i'm gonna show you two examples and if it eels you off build off I'm not going to say his name, but he's a national political commentator. He's also a minister that travels to churches. If I said his name, you'd know him. And he leads the charge from the right side. And I don't know how I get his stuff. I see it once in a while. But he is absolutely driven by a demonic presence. And his sole goal in everything he says is to make people angry. He, He lives to make people angry. Everything he says wants to point out something bad, and he stirs up anger. But he's a national minister, and he ministers in churches. And I'm going to give you an example to let the Word of God shine the light on this. Uh, I was a few weeks ago, somebody gave me something and it was him talking about something going wrong within this yada yada whatever. And I want you, I'm going to quote the exact words he used. He was so angry trying to get people mad about politics, which is working pretty good with people today on both sides. And he was talking about a member of his own party, his party, who had done something he didn't like and he called him, quote, a worthless piece of trash, End quote. He called the man in his own party a worthless piece of trash. And that's the way he described him. While we're in James, look with me. In James chapter 3, verse 8. James 3, 8. No man can tame the tongue. Can I get a witness? Tell me what the Bible says the tongue is. An unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless God, our Father, and curse men. Made in the image of God. And you understand when the Bible says curse, it don't mean cuss. How many Baptists I know would never say a cuss word, but they'll stab you right in the heart. Curse doesn't mean to cuss, it means to speak negative of somebody. And listen what he said. You, you bless God, but you talk ugly about people made in his image? Watch what the Bible says about that kind of stuff. Out of the, verse 10, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, this ought not to be. Does a spring send forth? Both fresh water and bitter water out of the same opening? Can you see the Bible says there's a contradiction? If you go to church and praise God and then you stab people in the back, something wrong with you. I'm preaching better than you, amen, in tonight. All right, here, here's my point. <clears throat> when you're angry and you want to get people angry about what they're doing and you call this guy who won't help you a worthless piece of trash, you know not what spirit you're of flat out, straight up. Same spirit that got James and John in there. And then, but the cute thing, here's what humored me, really made me want to puke. Right two lines under that, you can get his new daily devotional. That's just what I want is a devotional to help me get closer to God from a guy that talks like that. Do you understand? I'm telling you the demonic is taking over the discussion in this nation. And James 3 alone clarifies that. Let me give you an example of a man who has convictions and principles and stands for the truth and stands in the face of this nation, but he does it in an absolute Christ-like, proper spirit way, Mike Pence. Mike Pence, our former vice president, is a man who says the same thing everybody else says, but he says it in the light of the spirit of God. And he says it with the touch of God. You say, well, we got to win this thing. Listen to me. The wrath of man never works God's purposes. It destroys. And if you bite and devour one another, you kill one another. All righty. So, Brother Brown, I thought the demons just made this dealing with them hussies. I didn't know it got in politics. All righty. <laughs> Let me talk to you about uh, <clears throat> the demonic. Who taught you about the demonic? Hollywood or the Bible? Most Christians have learned more about the demonic from Hollywood. I call it the exorcist effect than they have the Bible. And we expect people's heads to spin around 360 degrees and puke green stuff. That's not, my goodness. You're letting demons teach you about themselves. We need to learn from the Bible. Let me show you three spirits that affect believers. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We need to get back to the Word of God and not just the nine verses we've been camping on for 50 years. He put it all in there for a reason. I've had many a preacher, I'll quote scripture to clarify something. They'll say, is that in the Bible? And I'll say... You only have to have one book in your job and you don't know it. (laughs) 2 Timothy chapter 1. Watch these words. Verse 6. 2 Timothy 1, 6. I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a what? Spirit of fear but a spirit of power and love and confidence. Did the Bible just call fear a spirit there? Okay, listen to me. Fear is a spirit. Now, let me clarify something here. Most of the time when the word fear is used in the Bible, it's the Greek word phobia. We get our word hydrophobia, "agrophobia" from that. It means the fear of. But this is not the word um, phobia in this passage. It's it's a a little bit different. It's, It's the word delios, and it's better translated timidity. Timidity, actually it's translated cowardice. There is a spirit that'll cause God's people to cower back. And and actually we get our word intimidation from it. There's a spirit of intimidation and cowardice that causes people to hold back and be nervous and be afraid. What did the Bible say? That is a spirit and it's not from God. The spirit God gave you is one of boldness and confidence and compassion. And many people are trying to battle. Listen, you can't disciple a demon. You got to get rid of them. You play with them all. You can think about them all you want to, but they're just going to stay there. And there's a spirit of fear that's come across the, the American believers many times. <clears throat> What's the outstanding mark of the Holy Spirit? What's the outstanding mark of the Holy Spirit? Acts 4.31. And when they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and boldness. Remember when the Holy Spirit said, and I'm not talking about redneck toughness. Are you with me? Redneck toughness is a spirit of fear, by the way. A spirit of boldness is a spirit of confidence where you, you're not afraid. You're confident in your God. And you don't cower. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God, take a little 110 pound woman, she'll stand up to a 300 pound linebacker and call him out. Not ugly, but just in confidence. And so there's a spirit of intimidation that gets on believers and it causes them to just shrink back and, and I'm, I'm scared to try this and I'm nervous and I, you need to tell that thing, go back to where it came from. You, you don't need that. Get rid of that thing. Now, I am going to say it again. I'm not talking about loud, arrogant, redneck stupidity. That's a whole different spirit right there. But I'm talking about this thing is stripping the life out of people today, this this fearful uh, timidity. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. Let me show you another. Now remember, I'm going to say this over and over. They can only operate in the dark. The moment you identify them, it's over. All right, Isaiah 61. This is this great This is the job description of Jesus before he came to earth. This is the announcement he made in the book of Luke. Uh, when he said the spirit of the Lord's on me, this is where it came from. And this is what Jesus came to the earth to do. And I want you to see what Jesus came to the earth to do. Verse one the spirit of the Lord, God is upon me. He has anointed me or empowered me to do, preach glad tidings, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, set the prisoners free, acceptable to the ear of the Lord. Now it stops there in Luke, but it goes on in Isaiah. I want you to look down with me. This is just wonderful. Verse three, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Watch these words. The garment of praise for the what? Spirit of heaviness. There is a spirit of heaviness on the land today. There's a spirit of heaviness on, and the Bible says it's a demonic presence. And this heaviness is depressing. It's discouraging. It just weighs people down. There was normal for a believer is wide open. Normal for a believer is to have the joy of the Lord as strength. But this thing gets on people and they're just, they're tired, they're discouraged. It's heaviness. Tell me what you say, Brother Brian, the days we're living in. Whoa, 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 whoa. Go back and read it again. It's a spirit. Heaviness is a spirit that gets on people. And can you tell from the scriptures that God wants you to get that thing off of you? How can you tell? He gave you something to get that off of you. What's it called? The garment of Praise. Which will crush the spirit of? Heaven. How many times people didn't even know this? They've told me no few times, Brother Brian, I've had the toughest week. It's, it's been so hard. Things going on. I came to. I did, almost didn't even come to church. I was so down and discouraged. But I came anyway, and I sat in church. And Brother Time, by the time the music got done, I, I was ready to go again. You know what happened? The garment of praise broke the spirit of heaviness off of them. They thought it was their circumstances. It was a spirit. You say, dang, there's demons behind every bush. Relax, we ain't going that route either. <laughs> Relax, you're not supposed to be that way. But can you see clearly where Jesus said, I've come to bring you to break the, the yoke and to get that heaviness off you so you can live a life of passion and joy and zeal? Matter of fact, I think heaviness is so in this nation right now. We think heaviness is normal. It ain't, it's abnormal. Joy is normal. Let me show you one more one more. And this is the one you'll see in the land today. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Oh my goodness. This is heartbreaking to me. And this has happened in my lifetime. I mean, This was written 2,000 years ago. What was prophesied has happened in my lifetime. I've watched this happen since I started preaching 105 years ago. 40 some years ago. He said, brother, I just don't believe this stuff messes with me. Look at 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, (laughs) you ever see the word beloved in the Bible? You ever wonder what it means? How long are you going to read it and not wonder what it means? It's, It's short for always being loved. It's a term of love by the Father. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Now let me make a let me point something out right there. If evil spirits can't minister to you, why'd he tell you to test the spirits? And that spirits that are not of God are coming to you and ministering to you. Beloved, he said, listen, what does it mean believe? Don't listen to them. Don't let them minister to you. Don't listen to what they got to say. Don't let them have an effect in your life. Test every spirit and find out, is this from God or is this from hell? Can you not see by the context of that verse that both spirits minister to you? Certainly you can. All right, let me show you one that's come in the church here. And if you're going to read this, this in particular, this spirit he's talking about is a spirit of deception. This in the land today, have you ever seen such craziness in your life as what people are believing today? You say, well, they're just stupid. No, it's demonic. Exactly like the Bible said. Turn me to 1 Timothy chapter four. Let this one shock you. First Timothy chapter four. All right, we have seen craziness in the national church in this nation since I started, since I was saved almost 50 years ago. There's been a tremendous reversal and change in the church in America in the last 50 years. And here's where it's at. Now, remember, he said, listen, listen, don't let these spirits minister to you. They'll get in your head and they'll teach you craziness. Look at me in 1 Timothy 4.1. The Spirit of God expressly, you know what expressly means, don't you? He made it plain. Says that in the what? Latter times, some will depart from the faith. Why would people leave God? All right, look at this. They will depart from the faith, giving heed or listening to deceiving spirits and the teaching of demons. what did the Bible say? In the latter days, demonic teaching is gonna get in the church and people are gonna leave God because they're listening to demons. Can't, let me ask you, you say, brother, man, I can't be Christians. Let me ask you a question. Can you depart from the faith unless you were once in it? No. And this is what we're seeing all across the land today. We're seeing this in denomination. I, this is the craziest stuff coming out of churches. I think I mentioned one, I won't go into detail because that's not what we're here for. Uh, the head of the Presbyterian church, the major Presbyterian church that has just gone into apostasy, when he was asked, he said, why have y'all phoned the Bible away? And he said, well, you'd have to be smart to understand this, but since God wrote the Bible, he has learned some things and he has evolved and we've learned with him. I Put my hand in the air. And I, I just want to go poke my fingers out and say, you breathe them? What the Bible says, let me tell you something. That book is truth. And our national church is departing from it. Who's leading them away from it? In the latter days, they will depart from the faith, listening to seducing spirits and the teachings of demons. And so I'm not going to do that. Stick with the book. You better stay with what it says here. All right. So these are, this word today's, I'm just, when I was young, we did stupid things. But we knew it was wrong. But we did it anyway. There's a whole new crazy hit this land in the last 20 years. Matter of fact, it'd be so comical if it weren't so stupid. I'm just, sometimes I just look at people and I say, I'm trying not to laugh at what you have been real serious about. We've lost our, actually our minds have been taken by somebody here. All right, let me, let me help you. I'm going to give you something to really help you here. When demons disguise themselves as God and come to you. When demons disguise themselves as God and come to you. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. we won't look at it. No wonder for Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. Satan will disguise himself as God and come to you. All right, let me help you. Let me show you how he comes to you. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit first. You've got to learn two things about him. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Every one of you deals with this. We all deal with this. John chapter 14, verse 16. All right, Jesus left the earth. And he said one of the most astounding things right before he went back to heaven. He said this, it is imperative that I go away because if I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. The Holy Spirit cannot come. And Jesus told us it is better to have the Holy Spirit with you than to have me standing beside you. That's hard for me to believe, but I believe it. And Jesus said, I've got to go away. So the Holy, But when I leave, the Father will send another helper, comforter, Holy Spirit. And I want you to look at that. That's John chapter 14. Verse 16, I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper and he'll abide with you forever. And it, listen, it's a he. The Holy Spirit's a person. Now your Bible may say helper there. It's, it's, an, it's a takeoff on the word paraclete, paraclyse. And most Bibles, trans, or some Bibles translate it comforter. Somebody tell me what the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life is. If he's the comforter, he comforts me, encourages me brings peace into my heart. That's the ministry of the Spirit of God. He brings comfort to you. And he, you just, there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. It is well with my soul. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit's comforting me. And the Holy Spirit's job is to bring comfort into my heart, peace into my mind. And, and it's a wonderful day because the Spirit of God is comforting me. That's His job. That's His name. But He who comforts me can also do something else to me. What's that? He can convict me. He can convict me. And that's good. That's good. You turn the page. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Let me see if you've seen it. have had this happen to you. Here's where he said it. Nevertheless, John 16, 7. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper, the comforter can't come to you. But if I go away, I'll send him. Now, I, want you to, I want you to think about that verse. It's better to have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you than to have Jesus Christ standing right beside of you. That seems like a stretch, but I didn't say it. He did. Now watch this. And when he has come, verse eight, he will do what? He will convict the world of sin. So the Holy Spirit has two jobs in my life. He brings comfort to me and assurance and settles me down and brings me hope, puts peace in my heart. But I sin once in a while. And I'm not the only one. You're supposed to say amen when I said I <laughs> sin once in a while. You said, has anybody ever sinned once in a while? Somebody. God almighty, somebody getting pretty good at it everybody misses that I sin once in a while and in that moment the precious Holy Spirit he convicts me and the comfort goes away and I'm bothered right here now listen not up here the Holy Spirit don't live up here he lives right here and he convicts something bothers me right here when I I do sin something bothers me right here it bothers me hurts my spirit that's the Holy Spirit in there going uh uh he's convicting me you see how he can comfort you one minute convict you the next now listen to me Satan comes disguised at the Holy, as the Holy Spirit and he condemns you. And he pretends to be God, but it's a demon spirit condemning you. And let me teach you the difference between these. Romans chapter eight, verse one says this. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. A lot of people stop right there. That's only half the verse. To those who walk not according to the flesh, but those who live in the spirit. Walk in the spirit, you won't experience condemnation. Most believers I know are condemned to some degree. They just beat yourself up down on yourself that's condemnation alright the Bible says this 1 John 3 20 says this if our heart condemns us God is greater than our hearts and knows the truth so my heart can be condemning me and it not be from heaven alright let me teach you the difference there's three ways you can know whether you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit or whether you're being condemned by a demon spirit who's pretending to be God just beating on you and there's three simple ways always remember this and it'll help you number one is the focus Who's the focus on the Holy Spirit of God never points to you. The Holy Spirit of God. When you do wrong, the Holy Spirit of God will come to you. He'll always point you to Jesus because when he has come, he'll glorify me when it's condemnation from Satan. He'll point to you and he'll say, look what you did. You some sorry Christian and you call yourself a Christian and he'll beat on you. The Holy Spirit always points you back to Jesus An evil spirit of condemnation always points to you and beats on you. Number two, If it's a demonic spirit of condemnation, there'll always be this vagueness about it. You're not quite sure. You know you did something wrong. You know you're not a good Christian, but you really can't put your finger on it. That's not the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit ever (laughs) convicts you, you'll know exactly what you did. I mean, it'll be be like the elephant in the room. Now, when the Holy Spirit convicts me and I I know know it's Him and I've lost my peace and I'm bothered and I know good and well, it's because of the way I talk to them. I know what I did wrong. And listen, the, the, an evil spirit will beat you up, but you, and I try, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. That's not Jesus. That's an unholy devil beating on you. If the Spirit of God ever convicts you, you'll know exactly what you did. I swear, we're so confused about right and wrong in this nation right now. And young man came to see me one time. He said, brother, I just feel, so, I feel guilty all the time. I just feel so guilty. And I thought, well, this is, this is a spirit of condemnation beating on him. And I said, why do you think that is? He said, well, I've been having sex with my boss's wife. And, and uh, I said, I think I figured out why you feel so guilty. Because you are. Einstein. And he, he said, what? This is a new generation. I knew right from wrong. I just chose wrong when I was young. Today, we don't know right from wrong in this land. We call good evil and evil good in this day as the scripture said would happen. But number three, number three, if it's condemnation, you can pray all you want to, you'll still still suffer. There'll be no relief. But if it's the Holy Spirit, the moment you name your sin, the conviction stops and the comfort comes and the sweetness comes back. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to beat you up. He wants to help you up. Evil spirits want to beat you up and put you down. And when I see believers, they're just so down on themselves. That ain't the spirit of God. That's an unholy spirit you're fellowshipping with. Jesus adores you. You are valuable to him. He's the most encouraging man in the universe. Satan, on the other hand, is called the accuser of the brethren for a reason. And remember, he'll come disguised as an angel of light. How many preachers have I listened to preach just beat the hell out of people and think it's Jesus? And it's not. I got a wonderful email from a lady today. She said, I'm, I'm 50-some years old. All my life, I was beat up in a Baptist church and I felt like I was a piece of crap after listening to preachers preach. That is not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God builds people up. He doesn't beat people up. So listen, you, you don't have to take that. Listen, get your big boy britches on and send him back down the highway. Mm. All right, dear ones, let me let me quit by saying this. We, there's a spirit battle all the time. It, it, the Bible's true. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principality. If you could just see for a moment into the spirit realm and go, "So it's not me, it's you, you'd be so ill at the right ones." Let me just mention some of the things spirits do to believers, rather than go through the scriptures, let me mention. Them. Today we see a tremendous spirit of blindness, blindness in the land. People are blind to truth. Second Corinthians chapter four says this: "The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds. And there's a blinding spirit that gets on people where they just can't see things. They, they can't understand. There's a darkness over them. That's demonic. Uh, we're, we're living in a day of tremendous, uh, I, just, I just call it gross prof, profane immorality. We're calling it freedom. It's not freedom, it's animal level living. And it's taking us down, it's degrading us in humanity. Romans chapter 1 said it's, it's when judgment comes on a land. There was, there, there's a spirit of pornography pornography is a spirit sometime back I was in a hotel and uh, I was walking down a hall and I have a gift of discerning of spirits it's very very sharp and I, I walked by a door I just stopped and looked at that door there was such a spirit of pornography and perversion and filth it was outside the door of that hotel I'm just like, like I could just go it's like a dark cloud and I have no idea what's going on in there don't want to know but I know who was in there and there's with this this thing across it we're calling it freedom and, and it's, it's degrading human life down to animal level. And, and we're losing the beauty and the dignity and the wonder of the way we're created to live. What's the first thing happened to the Gadarene demoniac when Jesus delivered him from demons? Put his breeches back on. <laughs> he was naked and the moment he got delivered, they said he was clothed and he was seated. He was at peace and what else? He was in his right mind. Then Get your britches on, get in your right mind, sit down and be quiet. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> what i'm thinking the number one spirit over this nation is not pornography or sexual immorality it's greed greed is the strong man over this nation greed is drive greed drives the pornography industry the love of money drives the the filth in this nation right now it's the most powerful spirit in this nation i hope this don't offend you there is a spirit of religion and it's an evil spirit and I hate that thing with a passion. It did me so much damage when I was a young man because I got saved and I loved Jesus, but religious people got hold of me and messed me up. And it was a spirit of religion. And I was as mean as they were. <laughs> and you say, I don't believe that. Then why did Jesus say in John 8:44 to the best living people who kept every commandment, studied the Bible daily? He said, At John 8:44, you are of your father, the devil, and you do the works of the devil. He said, Listen, some of those demonized people I know are in churches. You're not one of them because I don't allow it here. But I've seen a lot of it. Let me make an announcement. A critical spirit is not wisdom. It's a demonic presence. That old critical angry spirit that's demonic. And it's taking over this land today. Let me mention one or two more. <clears throat> There's a spirit called quitting. Quitting. Giving up, throwing in the towel. That's 1 Kings chapter 18. That's what happened to Elijah when the spirit of Jezebel got on him. He said, I quit. I'm done. Just kill me. Take my life. That is a spirit. You say, God Almighty, they're everywhere, Brother Brian. Listen to me. Jesus is everywhere. Amen. And his word is everywhere. And we, we're going to have to this, Let me make an announcement. The old ship of Zion is not the good ship lollipop. It is a battleship. And there's a reason he gave you a sword instead of a daisy. Amen. Amen. My neighbor, my neighbor's a, well, I've, well, I've already started. I might as well get in trouble. He's a preacher. He is a preacher. He's not a preacher. He's a policeman in the Chapel Hill Police Department. I'm always picking on him about when are they going to take your gun away and put daisies in your holster. I said, you'll do so much better over there. there was... On the other hand, God gave you a sword for a reason. Tell me what the word of God is called. Taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word. Why would he call it a sword? What do you do with a sword? Clean your teeth? <laughs> come on, guys. Sword is a weapon. Yep. And we got to learn to use this word the way, <laughs> the way Jesus used it. Now, let me, let me capture a demonic lie right here. Well, the reason demons aggravate you is because you're just not real spiritual. To the contrary, to the contrary, the harder you seek Jesus, the harder they come. I was telling a friend of mine today, I heard Jensen Franklin, Free Chapel, preached a message he called Higher Levels, Bigger Devils. (laughs) Well, it's the truth. It's the truth. Dear ones, the higher the level, the bigger the devil. He said, well, why would you want to go up? The fun or the fight? (laughs) I don't know. Don't you fall for that crap that because I'm in such a battle, I must not be spiritual. It probably proves that you are. Let, Let me make an announcement. The devil is a liar. And that land's full of lying spirits that'll get in your head and you'll believe this crap. Excuse me. Garb. I shouldn't say crap in church. Garbage. (laughs) Let me help you with something. Now listen to me. We're not to be demon obsessed. Don't do that. man. I know people that do that and they lose their minds. I wish they'd be quiet. But we're not to be demon deniers. We're to be demon killers. As this Bible teaches. You'd be be obsessed with somebody. You'd be obsessed with the Son of God. We're obsessed with Jesus. All right. Let me help you. You need one more thing I need to help you with here. The approach. How do they approach you? Now let, me t- let me teach you something here. John chapter 10 teaches us this. <clears throat> the demonic does not have to have your permission to come into your life. They come in whether you like it or not. That's why it says that the, the enemy climbs over the wall. He doesn't have to have your permission. Have you ever had to pray for Satan to start a fight in your marriage? You ever had to get on your knees and ask, ask the enemy to come in and cause trouble in your home? You ever had to beg beg the enemy to bring lust to your mind, huh? No, he's coming because he's a thief. Thieves do not call and say, I'll be there at 10 o'clock. Open the door. John 10 says they climb over the wall without your permission, but the good shepherd stands at the door and knocks. The Holy Spirit will only come in by your permission. Do you understand that? The evil spirit will break in without your permission. The Holy Spirit will only come in by your permission. You got to understand this. Say, well, how come it's so rough out there? Dear ones, you don't have to ask the enemy to come. He cometh. Yes. And if you've been alive for about two weeks, you know that he cometh. But listen to me. <clears throat> if you do nothing and you deny and you live in la-la land, they're going to eat your lunch. An eight-year-old could beat the tar him if I just stand there. Yeah. <laughs> listen to me. You have to fight to be free. And you, go, you say, how long is it going to go on? till the day I'm saying nice stuff about you while you're laying right there. Yeah. There's going to be a fight till the day Jesus gets back. Listen, you don't have to earn anything from heaven, but you have to fight for it. Yeah. And you're not fighting the king, you're fighting the enemy. That's why the guess what you do when he t- take up all this armor, guess what you do with it? Now, let me teach you something God taught me. <clears throat> Second chamber, there was one of the greatest men that ever lived, the man after God's own heart was King David. God used him tremendously. On what day did his life fall apart? You'll read this second Samuel chapter 11 verse one says this on the day that Kings went into battle, David stayed home. The day he quit fighting was the day his life fell apart. He was a great conqueror, a great warrior. He won great battles as long as he stayed in the battle. But for some reason, when he got older, he just said, I'm going to quit fighting. And on the day he quit fighting is the day he got in trouble. Was you, you can't afford not to put on the armor of God and you have to battle and you have to fight <laughs> to do that. All right. <clears throat> Let me. I'm going to set you free. You ready? said three of you free. Three. You get to choose whether you fellowship with demons or the Holy Spirit by the environment you create. If you build it, they will come. I made that up by myself. If you build it, listen, if you build it, they will come. Who you want fellowshiping? you build it, they will come. I, you know, if you build, like I used to be this janky biker bar in town where I grew up in Charlotte. Nasty biker bar. Guess what kind of people that attracted? Of which I was. Harley Davidson. I was one of them. But I got saved and there was an old house in Charlotte and it was called Lamb's Chapel. Just an old house. Wonderful man ran it. And every night of the week there was worship in that house. People just worshipped in that house. It was not organized. People came. They worshipped. They prayed for each other. They loved each other. Guess what kind of people that place attracted? Do you understand the environment attracts the people? The environment in your head attracts light and darkness. Yes. The environment in your heart attracts light and darkness. You get to decide who's going to be in there. Uh, I mean, it, you get to decide this stuff. You want the spirit of God to flood your life with hope and light and joy and peace. Well, we're not going to take time to, let's do take time to read it. You need to read this. Turn with me to, we're in John. Turn to Turn to Ephesians. We're in John, turn to Ephesians. (laughs) Dear ones, quit waiting on God to do something. You take the first step. And let me help you. Take this step before you get out of bed in the morning. Do not wait till the bull's chasing you across the pasture. (laughs) Lock the gate when you get up. (laughs) Ephesians chapter five. You just want the spirit of God to rest on you. You want demons to be repelled from you. I mean, there's just... There are certain things that are fingernails on the blackboard to them. Do you, do you understand environments attract and repulse? Y'all understand that? If I go in somebody's house and there's profane, filthy music playing and they're screaming at each other and it's nasty and they're F this and F that, I'm going to dismiss myself real quick. I'm not against you. I'm not going to talk ugly about you, but I'm gone, Doc. I'm going to do like Joseph and I'm going to saturate that place with my absence. I'm out there. But I go into the house and there's pinto beans cooking and cornbread and there's quiet worship music playing and they make over me and they're loving each other and the kids are smiling and they've had a bath and all that's going on. You'll have to call the sheriff to get me out there. Do you understand that? Them spirits are the same way. They're environments that just repulse spirits and they're environments that draw spirits. Ephesians chapter five shows us. Ephesians chapter five, verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. Be filled with the spirit. Amen. I I, I don't want to be like aunt Goonie who ran around squabbling like a chicken and going crazy. Filled with the spirit. I want to be filled with the love of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the peace of Jesus. But now notice there's a comma there. It doesn't stop. Be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking to one another Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, comma, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, Christ Jesus, comma, submitting to one another in the fear of God. You want to create an atmosphere that just draws the power of God to you and repulses demons. You just worship God day and night in your heart. you be grateful for everything you got and you be careful how you treat people. You, You create the atmosphere, you build it, they will come. I mean, darkness can't stand the worship of God. It's like fingernails on the blackboard to them. Once in a while, I'll catch one aggravating me. Some little puny house demon. Just picking at me, aggravating me. I don't try to figure it out. I just start worshiping God and praising God. And all of a sudden I'll hear him radio to headquarters. I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm going back (laughs) to dodge. But I'll catch him by the tail and hold him, make him just stay there and listen to it till he screams. Then turn him loose. That's a foolish illustration, but that's just about the truth right there. I mean, I'm thinking, I, we don't do theology real deep in here, but I'm fixing to go deep. A fly will not stay on a hot stove very long. Amen. Heat it up, Doc. You bring the praises of God in your heart. Let me shift gears. If you want to get rid of Jesus, you want demons all over you, you be angry. Be critical. Complain and whine. Wallow in your bitterness. You, you really want to draw demons, feel sorry for yourself. Waller in self-pity. Embrace the profane. Or just worry a lot. Anybody's I missed? Did we get them all? Dear ones, if you build it, they will come. Who you want fellowshipping with you? I'm going to quit by telling you a story. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm fixing to tell you a story. We need to get serious in this book about what demons can do to Christians. We're playing games. They're eating our lunch in this land. They're buying churches today. And we need to get serious about what Christians can do to demons and do it. My dear friend, James Robinson, we partner with James here at Life Outreach. One of the great ministers you are involved with. and We're buddies and James has been here several times. James was the prominent evangelist in America. He's preached to more people face-to-face than any man in the history of this nation, including Billy Graham. Now, Billy Graham's preached to more people face-to-face globally. But James has preached to more people in churches and crusades than anybody in the history of this nation. He was Southern Baptist premier evangelist in the 70s and 80s. He was the most powerful evangelist in this nation. But James has talked to me. Of course, I've read his story. He said, I was so demonized. But my being a Baptist, we didn't believe in that. He said, I was so demonized. He said, I was so miserable. I burned with lust all the time. I couldn't stop lusting. He said, I would preach. And while I'm preaching, I'm lusting after women in the church. And then 800 people get saved because the touch of God was on him. He said, I I was so angry. I exploded in anger. Couldn't control my temper. I was so depressed. I was miserable. Suicidal thoughts constantly. He said, I'd have killed myself one night if Dudley Hall hadn't been in the plane I was flying. I just wanted to die. And I I told my wife, pray for me to die. That's not normal for a believer. But he said, my group, I came out of, we didn't believe demons could bother Christians. He said, they're hanging on me like bats. He said, they're killing me. I said, one day, Dudley said, I found a man I think can help you and you need to go see him. He said, he's a carpet cleaner. And he said, I am not about to bow down before. I don't talk no carpet cleaner. So there's the chief demon right there of pride. I think most follow him. And he said, I got so miserable. I just went and said, Milk, could you help me? Milk said, I've wept over you. He said, I think you're the most depressed man I've ever seen in my life. He said, I've never seen so many demons in one on, on one man's life. And he, he said, well, can, they, can you be, don't start that mess. I don't care whether they got a, bull, a gun to bite side your head or holding a rifle across the room. If they got you, they got you. And James said, could you help me? He humbled himself. Milt said, I'll pray for you, but I got to teach you how to be free. And he said, he prayed for me and he started calling stuff out and it scared me spitless. And he said, don't, James told me, he said, the only thing I can remember is I hope Jerry Falwell ain't in the next room. If he hears this, I'll never get to preach at Liberty again. <laughs> he said, and then again, pride. And he said, but I'm going to tell you, this, that man got done praying for me and he said, I was free. He said, there's like a claw in my brain just disappeared. And he prayed for me. And he said, there was a sweetness. He said, scripture flowed out of me. And he, he, he's a completely different man after that. Because one man prayed for him. And he said, I, I believe in it now. And of course, he's helped other people get free. Let me tell you something. Demons can eat believers' lunches. This book is true. But believers can send demons back to hell. And we need to do it. I'm going to give you one more. My dear friend, Robert Morris, probably the premier church in our nation right now, the most God-blessed church in our nation right now. Robert Morris wrote The Blessed Life. Three, maybe four years ago now, Robert said, I can't explain it, but I got so dark. He's got the greatest church in America right now, I think. I got so dark. Kerry Job maybe the most anointed singer in the last 10 years. I mean, she sings, it embarrasses you to look in on it. Like she's talking straight to God. She's his worship leader. But he said, something got on me. And I said, I can't explain it. He said, I became so depressed and so miserable. And he said, lustful thoughts, profane thoughts. I couldn't concentrate. It's like my brain was scrambled. He said, I didn't know what was happening to me. And he said, I was sick. He said, but I would leave the Dallas Fort Worth area and I'd be fine. But I'd come back into my hometown where my church was. And it's like I walk right back into a cloud. And he said, I'm just, and he said, finally, I just decided I got to quit. Robert's younger than I am. He said, I just got to, I can't take this no more. I got to quit. That's that spirit of Jezebel. And he said, I would have these thoughts in the evenings. This thought like this would come to me and say, it's been a good day. This would be a good night. This would be a good time for you to go. You talked to all the kids today. This would be a good time for you to go on home. He said, I had suicidal thoughts constantly. He said, now I resist him. My elders prayed for me. But th- this is the premier minister in America right now, one of them. I mean, God's, God's hand's so on this man, but darkness was on him. And he said, one day Jack Hayford called me from California. He said, what's going on with you? And he said, I told him, he said, we're going to get together and pray for you. And the same situation. I, I did, that's the extreme. Rare is the believer that goes through that. But let me point out, higher levels, bigger devils. And these are the guys that God's using greatly. But I'm going to tell you something. We need to quit messing with these ugly things. We need to quit being religious and we need to go by what the Bible says and we need to be free. And Robert teaches people how to be free now. And now listen, don't let a lie get in your head and say, well, that's over my head. It's not over your head, it's out of this word. You got as much authority over the powers of hell as anybody. Here it is, you ready for it? I've always. This has been my one verse when I pray for people. I hold to it, Luke ten, nineteen, and 20. Behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you will trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. Jesus just gave me authority over all the powers of hell right there. I want to quote the next verse. But do not rejoice that the demons are subject to you in my name. You rejoice because your name is written down in heaven. I don't don't think about demons. I don't mess with them. When they show up, I squash them. If they make me mad, I hold on to them, make them listen to it for a while. I've had it. (laughs) I'm not putting up with that junk. But I promise you, I wake up every day, and before my narrow self gets out of that bed, I'm already celebrating. Yes. Hang around me if you want to, but you're gonna hear Jesus is the sweetest name I know all day long. I, I, I just I, I don't know if they like assign demons daily, or I don't know why they do it. But buddy, I want them to go back to headquarters at night with their heads bandaged, saying I have had it with him. I ain't going back to him. I'm done with him. <laughs> I want them to take a beating if they come hang around. I want to hurt them suckers. They hurt me so bad for so long. I was in the same place. Nobody ever taught me anything. All right, dear ones, it's gone a little bit long tonight. All I want to do is help you. I hate to see people in bondage. I hate to see God's people in fear, heaviness, beating themselves up because they're struggling. You don't need to be like that. Jesus died to set you free. Jesus died to give you everything heaven's got the freedom of God, the love of God, the peace of God, and we want to walk in it. Now listen, you make up your mind say, let me show you, say, well, amen. Now don't say amen to a message like this, say, dang right, <laughs> dang right. <laughs> it comes a time you got the redneck up. A, now we want to be gentle most of the time. Can I tell you one more thing real quick? We're being ugly to people and humble to demons. You need to be ugly to demons and nice to people. Is that deep or what? Yeah. We got this thing turned around. You're not supposed to be ugly to people and bow before demons. You're supposed to be humble to people and kick the fire out of devils. I said, Brother Brian, what if I have to cast one out? Enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy it. So I don't really know what to do. I don't care. Enjoy it. Can I tell you one more real quick? All right, oh, I'm going to. John Wimber, California. Well, the God, John was just weird but God blessed him wonderfully to help a lot of people. John's a Methodist preacher. He didn't believe in this stuff. He said, there's a bunch of weirdos out in California is what he told me, a bunch of weirdos. And he said, one night I'm sitting at the dinner table eating and one of my teenagers from my church knocked on the door. And uh, he said to me, uh, pastor Rimmer said, uh, my pastor remember said, my girlfriend said, uh, she's in the truck, said she, she's demon possessed. He said, no, son, <laughs> they're all like, he said, no, no. All 14 year olds are like that. You just go and enjoy yourself. <laughs> And he said, I thought, what's going on here? But he said, finally, I said, well, I'll go out there and look. And he said, I went out there and said, his girlfriend was huddled up. I opened the driver's side of the truck back when they had single cabs instead of them buses. He said, and she's curled up against the edge and said, she's growling at me. And I said, "Yeah, son, yeah, we got a problem here, I think. <laughs> well, John said, I didn't believe in this stuff. I'd been taught demons died when, I don't know. He said, I'm Methodist. I don't believe in this stuff. And he said, uh, he said, I said, we gotta do something here. And the boy said, well, you go first. You go first. <laughs> and he said, I looked at her and he said, uh, I'm just staring, figuring out what to do. He said, a man's voice came out of her and said, you don't know what you're doing and you have no authority over me. Now remember, remember, they're liars. And John smiled, he said, I said, well, you're right about number one, but you're wrong about number two. And he said, I didn't know what, but listen, he said, I did know the scriptures. All you need is the word of God. And he said, it took me five hours to get her help. He said, I could do it now in five minutes. Congratulations. You move faster. The point, he said, it took me five hours. Now listen, that's not every day. Most of us just deal with them little house imps. Are you with me? one day when we see clearly, we're going to look back and say, I didn't have to put up with that. Let's see it now. Lord Jesus, so we want to praise you and thank you because of your kindness. You're so wonderful. I give you all the praise and glory. Thank you that when, when you died on the cross, you bought our salvation. Greatest gift ever given. Thank you for that. I praise you that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you today and you're anointed to preach good news to the poor in spirit, the gospel But dear Jesus, you're also anointed to heal the brokenhearted. But I praise you that you're also anointed to set the captives free. I am so grateful. I just want to praise you and thank you in this battlefield land we live in that you would never leave us nor forsake us and you have given us everything we need. Lord Jesus, it's like you took the sword of the Spirit and used it and showed us in your word how to use it and then said, now here, it's yours to use. I want to pray for every person in this room that we'll take the simple steps we know to to stay out of the enemy's house that we'll be a people of praise and humility and gratitude and peace and compassion and forgiveness and forgiveness and more forgiveness so we can stay free. And we will stay out of the halls of hell by complaining being angry criticizing all that junk Not even you can help us if we choose to lay down in the devil's bed. I pray we will choose to live in a place where Jesus lives. And I praise you and thank you. I I want to impart to everybody in this room in the name of Jesus, Father. In the name of Jesus. You got as much authority as any human being that ever lived because Jesus gave it to you by his word. Just because you don't know what to do doesn't mean you don't have it. And I praise you and thank you for that. I want to praise you and thank you for the free life the spirit-filled life, the precious life of peace and joy and honor. We give you all the praise and glory. Lord Jesus, I won't be content until everybody in my church is saved, filled with the love of Jesus and free from the powers of darkness on this planet. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, amen.